Welcome to the Game Changers Pharmacotherapy Podcast, where we navigate the most important changes that affect pharmacotherapy, plus you can earn pharmacy and medicine CE credit. We know you're busy, so use your time effectively by listening, learning, and claiming credit. It's a new way to learn. Just log on to CEimpact.com for more information on podcasts. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Game Changers Clinical Conversations. I am your host, Jeff Wall, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Drake University. Welcome. Hope your day and your week is going pretty decent. Um, I think mine's actually going pretty good. So uh, I hope uh, you, uh, things are going okay in your world. And I hope uh, where you're, you're at, uh, 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 COVID infections are, are, are declining because they are uh, pretty much declined where I'm at. And that's something I'm pretty happy about, I have to admit. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're, we're going to stay COVID-free. We're going to talk about proton pump inhibitors and a very interesting uh, poster that was just uh, reported at uh, Digestive Disease Week uh, just this last couple of weeks ago. Um, and it definitely uh, piqued my interest. So I thought we'd discuss a little bit about that today. But before we do that, I do want to thank everybody who's listening. Uh, if you get a moment, please go to where you get your podcast, give us a like, give us a subscribe. But most importantly, head over to ceimpact.com. Uh, they have a wide variety of CE programs for pharmacists and now uh, for prescribers as well with CME. Um, and that includes this program, uh, uh, Game Changers, that for just listening to me blather on for a while and answering a couple of questions, you can get some CE. I think that's a pretty easy way to do it. And hopefully CE, uh, as importantly, is something that that's, that's clinically relevant to your practice that you can implement pretty quickly and, and, and will help, you know, all the boots in the ground uh, practitioners who are kind of listening. So uh, today we are going to talk about proton pump inhibitors. Um, um, so as, as if you're in the world of GI, you know, there's, there's no bigger meeting than the Digestive Disease Week meeting. Um, I'm friends with a couple of gastroenterologists and uh, pre-COVID, it was the meeting for them, basically. I mean, uh, if it had to do with, with anything in the alimentary canal, uh, that uh, they were going to be talking about it. DDW. Um, um, and uh, since uh, one of the areas of interest I've always had is, has been an inflammatory bowel disease, I've, I've, I've tried to follow the posters and the presentations going on in DDW because, again, it's, 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 it's where all the ba- big stuff with the GI is going to be coming out. But uh, this was an interesting uh, poster. And again, the paper, it's not a paper. And, and, and unfortunately, that, so I don't have a paper to, to point to. I just got a copy of the poster, unfortunately. Hopefully, this will get, get uh, transmitted into a paper fairly quickly. Uh, it was a poster. Uh, done out of the VA system and actually uh, from, uh, in particular, the University of uh, Michigan and then the VA Ann Arbor healthcare system. And, and this was part of their Center for Clinical Management Research. And what the, the point of this, this poster uh, and this uh, study was, was to take a look at, at deprescribing proton pump inhibitors. Now, proton pump inhibitors have, 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 had, a, have had an interesting journey. And, and again, I'm old enough to remember when omiprazole first hit the market. And uh, uh, I don't see how many, how many veterans people are listening to my voice. Remember that remember that Omiprazole was originally called Losec, and they actually had to change the name to Prilosec because uh, Losec was getting, when people, physicians were writing the, the Losec 20 milligrams, uh, uh, it was getting misinterpreted as Lasix 20 milligrams, and so they actually had to change the name of the drug. So there's, there's, a, little, there's a little bit of uh, trivia for, for, the, for the younger people out there. Um, and so, uh, but, but I remember when it came out, and, 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 and to say it revolutionized uh, uh, the treatment of peptic ulcer disease, and gastroesophageal reflux disease is an understatement, and and um, the 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 uh, the the results of of the the. Uh, 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 
use of these drugs today can be felt, you know, in all areas of medicine. For example, you know, before the proton pump inhibitor era started, uh, surgeons would not infrequently do Bill Roth surgeries to take out people's stomachs because they had bad peptic ulcer disease. So if you had multiple ulcers and and uh, the medications we had weren't working, one of the surgeries that was commonly done was what was called a Bill Roth II, where they would literally just chop out your stomach and connect uh, your, your esophagus basically to your small intestine. And, um, and people, it, it, it did work and all that kind of fun stuff. But as you might imagine, it was a major, major surgery. We have an entire generation of surgeons who have never done a Bill Roth surgery because they haven't had to, because proton pump inhibitors are so good at treating peptic ulcer disease. So that's just one example of, of, of the benefit of these medications. Same with GERD. You know, we, you know, uh, GERD ha- uh, are, is very common and, and, and proton pump inhibitors uh, have categorically been shown to significantly improve symptoms in these patients. And for patients who have the pre-cancerous uh, 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 lesions in, in their esophagus um, uh, that, um, th- that can be healed, uh, once they're healed, being on proton pump inhibitors have actually been shown to maintain that healing so that they don't develop uh, more cancerous lesions. And that's, that's called Barrett's esophagus. So once Barrett's esophagus is healed, being on proton pump inhibitors decreases your risk of, of those uh, lesions becoming cancerous again. So, you know, the, you know, there's no doubt that proton pump inhibitors are great drugs and they, they, they help millions of patients. But <laughs> here's the big but is that is that uh, many patients will start proton pump inhibitors and never get off of them. And I think up until about 15 years ago or, or 10 years ago, uh, there was like, well, so what? You know, um, um, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any big side effects associated with them. Um, again, another real sea change because again, I remember when 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 omiprazole came out, and and when omiprazole came out, you could only be on the drug for eight weeks. Uh, because they were terrified that if they inhibited too much gastric acid suppression, they would put you at risk for either vitamin deficiencies or gastric cancer, which they did find in animal studies. And then they actually found that in humans, that just wasn't the case. That didn't happen in humans largely. And so, you know, we kind of went from we're terrified to use these medications to let's make them over the counter. And that's exactly what happened. And and so up until about 10 or 15 years ago, I think there was the thought, well, you know, we can't hurt anybody. So I just try them on everybody and see what happens. But now we know that 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 there have been some reports of, of, of uh, safety issues with proton pump inhibitors. And we'll take a, take a couple of minutes to talk about those towards the end here. So the bottom line is that, is that, uh, you know, uh, proton pump inhibitors are, are great drugs. And I certainly don't want to start this, this podcast, you know, uh, dismissing their benefit of beneficial effect. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that safety issues have cropped up with these drugs that I don't think we initially suspected. And that we have a lot of people on medications that have essentially been on proton pump inhibitors for life intentionally or not. And, uh, and, you know, there's been multiple studies where patients are started in the hospital for stress ulcer prophylaxis. I don't know if you can hear my air quotes um, that didn't need to be on them, got sent home on a proton pump and have been on one ever since. And so, um, you know, yeah, there, there's no doubt that, that while they're good drugs, are, there are people who don't need to be on these medications. And so um, there's been several studies that have tried to look at, 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 um, um, you know, is there a way we can we can identify patients who no longer need to be on proton pump inhibitors or maybe never needed to be on, on these medications and and de- and de-escalate them? And there's been a couple studies that have suggested, yeah, maybe we can do that. But the big the big uh, uh, Achilles heel of all these studies was that all they were really looking at was could we could we decrease the number of patients on proton pump inhibitors? It, there, it's been much more difficult to go downstream from these studies and say, oh, well, okay, but that did so these patients ended up having to go 
back on them or you know there was some harm associated with with de-escalating the proton pump inhibitors and so that's what this paper uh, I think tried to do again from from the uh, VA system um, it involved actually more than four million veterans so kind of inter interesting um, and again just a poster so kind of keep in mind that we don't have all the all, all the nitty-gritty the, the the lead author of the poster points out that that um, uh, uh, part of for example uh, the the, uh, the choosing choose wisely campaign of the American Board of Internal Medicine the GI section of that says you know don't keep people on proton pump inhibitors forever and points out that again there's just there's there's been a few studies that have looked at you know what at what can we do to, to make sure that patients who don't need to be on these medications are you know aren't on them et cetera et cetera so they tried to, to deal with this and, and and they they what they basically did was that it was a retrospective difference in different studies spanning 10 years from 2009 to 2019. What they did, the the the, the actual uh, intervention actually was done in 2013, so quite a while ago, to be honest with you. And this was through the VA system, and 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 what, this was a one-year intervention that was started in 2013, where they did refill restrictions for proton pump inhibitors for veterans who did not have a documented indication for long-term use. Uh, that if patients didn't pick up a proton pump inhibitor prescription within six months, they they stopped the prescription and said, well, like or having any symptoms or problems with that, uh, that they had the option to sw uh, quick switch over to H2 blockers in patients who are, had been on proton pump inhibitors. And then most importantly, a, a detailed patient and clinician education uh, uh, section. And so uh, uh, the veterans who in the study who were on proton pump inhibitors, they did sit down with them and try to say, you know, we're not doing this capriciously. We're not doing this, you know, because we're trying to save money uh, because proton pump inhibitors, especially probably through the veteran system isn't all that expensive. But is is that we want to make sure that we're not causing harm for a medication that probably that may in, in many in some patients not have very much benefit and so uh, uh, the the intervention group then consisted um, of of about two hundred fifty thousand veterans in in one of the the VISN uh, 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 networks the that's the separate networks that the VA systems are in and then the control group consisted of of, of about four point three million veterans and other service networks so basically. Basically, they're, they're, they're this, this intervention process where they did the restrictions that education was in this one uh, uh, vision network, uh, and then they used all the other networks in, um, in other service networks as, as kind of a, your, your control, basically. And then they looked at things at six-month intervals, and in the six-month intervals, uh, they, had, they, were, they, were, they included patients in that six-month interval. They had had at least two primary care visits within two years. They were excluded um, if they received primary care at other sites, so they couldn't get the information. Information. And the investigators did uh, th three major outcomes. They wanted to look at the proportion of veterans who were dispensed a proton pump inhibitor uh, prescription from the VA at any dose. They wanted to look at the incidence of proportion of hospitalization then in those patients for upper GI diseases, including upper GI bleeding, except for patients who had uh, upper GI bleeding where proton pump inhibitors were unlikely to be helpful, so things like esophageal varices, as well as non bleeding acid peptic disease. They also looked at the rate of primary care visits. They looked at the, the number of GI specialty visits and the number of EGDs that were done, basically. In the study, then, the analysis was divided into a pre-implementation period lasting that five years, the 2009-2013, and then the post-implementation period of, of a similar uh, 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 duration. And what they found was that in the post-implementation period, the intervention group had a 5.9% relative re uh, reduction of, of proton pump inhibitor prescriptions compared with the control group, which when you're talking with these kind of numbers of patients, millions of patients, 
that is statistically significant. During that same period, the intervention site did not have a significant increase in the rates of, of patients for any of the things we just talked about. So that makes this paper pretty unique in that not only did they show a, a decrease in proton pump inhibitor uh, prescriptions, but in the vision network that did this uh, uh, education and, and other uh, interventions to restrict proton pump inhibitor use, they did not find an increase in hospitalizations for GI diseases. They didn't find an increase in primary care visits or GI clinic visits or uh, EGDs. So again, the first large attempt to ever, ever do anything like that. They also did a subgroup analysis that was kind of interesting where they looked at patients who were co-prescribed proton pump inhibitors uh, who are at high risk for uh, upper GI bleeding, uh, for example, if they were prescribed warfarin. So that was kind of interesting. And what they found in this subgroup analysis is there was a 4.6 relative risk reduction in time with a proton pump inhibitor gas protection among the intervention group compared to the, to the control group. And in the second analysis, they found hospitalization for upper GI diseases in high-risk patients who are at least 65 years of old years of age were not significantly differently different between groups. So again, they they basically separated out the high-risk patients. So patients were on warfarin and then were probably co-prescribed a proton pump inhibitor for protection against. GI bleed with warfarin, and they found that even in those patients that had about a 5% uh, relative risk uh, reduction in time on proton pump inhibitors, but did not find an increase in hospitalizations for GI bleeds or anything along those lines. So uh, again, not, it's a retrospective study, so you got to kind of keep that in, in mind that, 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 that this wasn't a, a large randomized control trial, which I don't think you could ever pull off in, in, in quite this fashion anyway, um, but, but basically found that I think our first study to ever really uh, kind of show that that a, a, a effort to kind of uh, uh, not, uh, 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 an effort to kind of deprescribe proton pump inhibitors uh, does not respond, uh, 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 result in an increase in healthcare utilization or hospitalizations for GI uh, uh, issues or anything along those lines. So, I mean, that's good, you know. Now, there uh, there was a counterpoint at the DDW meeting, um, uh, you know, and then that's often happens at these large meetings, they have kind of a, you know, a pro-con sort of thing. And uh, the, 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 uh, uh, person who was kind of the con or the person who was kind of the critiquer in, of, of this poster, uh, who is a professor of medicine at, at uh, uh, Wheel Cor uh, Cornell Medicine in New York, basically said, you know, he liked the study, felt like it, it, it attempted to do what others had tried to do, but actually did uh, um, um, uh, look at outcomes. But he did point out that one of the most controversial areas in, in GI medicine at this point is what is an appropriate indication for proton pump inhibitors. You know, all guidelines say that proton pump inhibitors should be used the lowest effective dose for the shortest period of time. But but uh, his concern uh, is 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 that is that what is unnecessary proton pump inhibitor use is difficult to to to, to really drill down to. And and um, and I get that. And 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 I, I see his point that you know while while we we want to make sure that that patients who don't need to be on these medications aren't on them in our zeal to do that does that do we accidentally you know, in that group, take a look at patients who who um, uh, really should be on them. You know, uh, the the high risk patients is a good example. I you know the guidelines have never really said that just because you're on warfarin, you need to also be on a proton pump inhibitor for uh, gastro protection. But the guidelines uh, that the American Gastroenterology Association, with other large groups, has said is that if you're on, for example, dual antiplatelet therapy, that and you're at risk for for upper GI bleed, you might be on a you should be on a proton pump inhibitor. So. I think uh, the the critiquer's concern was that basically, are we going to to uh, uh, accidentally stop proton pump inhibitors?
those patients. So interesting, you know, an interesting paper and interesting counterpoint. So then that brings us to, 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 you know, okay, to, that's terrific, but I'm a boots on the ground pharmacist. I'm a boots on the ground prescriber. You know, how, how do I operationalize this? What do I take away from this? And I think that's, we're going to wrap up kind of talking about that in just a second after a word from CE Impact. Do you love game changers? We would love if you, our dedicated listeners, would share your feedback on your experience of listening to Game Changers every week. Check out the link in the show notes to share your feedback. So, you know, this paper from DDW basically found that that there is a small but but significant decrease in proton pump inhibitor use when you use education and basically uh, try to select out patients who really aren't using them using them a lot and and making sure that that if they don't have a uh, uh, defined indication that we don't continue proton pump inhibitors on these patients, and th- that brings us to the safety issues and and again I think safety issues and concerns have long been uh, the story of proton pump inhibitors. I said earlier how there was concern about gastric cancer and significant vitamin deficiencies and things like that, things that really didn't uh, um, actually um, uh, uh, pan out. But what have we found in in other recent years? Well, there's been, you know, some, uh, I think, pretty good retrospective studies that have suggested that pro- long-term proton pump inhibitor use probably does increase the risk for several types of infections, particularly enteric infections like, like, like proton, uh, like a uh, C. diff infection, and may even increase the risk for things like like uh, uh, pneumonias. The increase is not large. If you look at these uh, uh, retrospective studies, the, the overall relative risk or, or hazard ratio is relatively low, but it is statistically significant. And it is there. And, and again, if patients don't have an indication for the medication, then why would you, you know, even the small risk probably outweighs the benefit if they don't have an indication to be on the medication. So that's, that's, that's one kind of concern that, that there's been uh, uh, there was uh, for for several years an, a, a a boxed warning uh, from uh, the FDA uh, as far as uh, fractures and osteoporotic fractures. That uh, evidence has kind of waned in in recent years. Been several other studies that have come out that have not found that 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 uh, signal for increased risk of 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 gastric uh, or I'm sorry, increased risk of osteoporotic fat fractures. So that's you know that's something to think about, but probably not a huge issue. Uh, one issue that is still a boxed warning that that I think is is worth discussing is is magnesium deficiency or hypomagnesemia. Uh, again, it's not a common issue with 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 the proton pump inhibitors, considering the millions of people on them uh, worldwide. But it has been shown now, I think, in several retrospective studies, there's an association with that. There's also been several case series where people developed acute magnesium deficiency while on pro, uh, proton pump inhibitors. So certainly, you know, especially in patients who may be on other medications that, for example, maybe prolong the QT interval. Uh, making sure that they're getting magnesium in their diet, if at all possible. Um, I'm not sure you, know, you always have to, you know, give extra magnesium to every person who's on a proton pump inhibitor. That's probably not only, you know, expensive or probably not helpful, but uh, certainly in patients who might have some problem with significant magnesium deficiency, that's something to kind of think about it as, as, as you kind of go along there. There's, oh, and then finally, you know, the whole issue of, of, of clopidogrel. Um, as we know, the proton pump inhibitors are metabolized through cytochrome P452C19, and that's the way that that clopidogrel also is metabolized to, to its active form because clopidogrel is actually a pro-drug. Um, and so there was actually a boxed warning in, in 2009 uh, uh, about uh, the interaction with clopidogrel and the proton pump inhibitors and to not use them together. Uh, many have, have, uh, have, have questioned that, that, that uh, um, 
a supposed interaction. Uh, again, it's worth noting that, that there's been, you know, studies that have not found that, studies, other studies that have found that. Uh, there was a, a well-done meta-analysis that was semi-recently done that, that, that uh, did find a significant increase in cardiovascular-related outcomes in patients on both clopidogrel and, and proton pump inhibitors. But again, the numbers were, 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 were relatively low. So the hazard ratios were really, really low. So the question comes up, you know, gee, how, how, how clinically significant is this? I've always uh, kind of counseled my physicians that since there doesn't really seem to be a whole lot of difference between the proton pump inhibitors as far as efficacy, and we know that omiprazole and esomiprazole are the, are the, the uh, drugs that are really called out for that interaction that maybe just avoid those drugs in, in patients who, who are on clopidogrel. Um, the, many uh, uh, opponents of, of that view uh, point to the clopidogrel and optimization of gastrointestinal events trial, the cohort study um, that basically uh, did not find a, 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 a uh, basically did not find a, a negative uh, cardiovascular events in patients who are on uh, clopidogrel and omiprazole. But it's important to remember that that study was never designed to look at, at that outcome. It was actually a study that was halted early for a whole nother reason. So, you know, the study wasn't designed for that. It, 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 that wasn't, it's one of its primary outcomes. I never really knew what to take from that study. So I would say that, that, that you know, the better part of valor in most cases, if you have somebody on, 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 uh, on clopidogrel is to probably avoid omiprazole and esomiprazole because at least those are the ones that we know primarily go through 2C19. So, so you know, I, I, what I kind of take away from the paper there from the poster at DDW is, is that is that I applaud the, the author's attempts to, to try and have a, uh, uh, a, a good uh, uh, program to try and, 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 and decrease uh, and, and deprescribe medications. I think, as I've said many times uh, on this program and in and, and talks and stuff, deprescribing is, is going to be one of the main things that pharmacists do in the next 15 to 20 years is that as patients accumulate more and more medications as they get older, we're going to have to take a look and say, what's the benefit and what's the harm? And of course, as I always say, that's going to be a challenge, especially for community pharmacy, because we, you know, nobody pays us to not dispense medications. They, I hope they start doing that, but they don't. And, and so that, that's something we're going to have to be thinking about, I think in the future, but, 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 but the bottom line is that I think uh, pharmacists do need to take a look at, at, at patients and say, gee, I know you've been on this medication for a long time, but do you need to continue to be on this medication? You know, you're 94 years old and you've been on a, uh, um, you've been on a uh, bisphosphonate for osteoporosis for 25 years. You're probably don't need to be on it anymore. You, you all the benefit you were going to get, you probably got from it, you know, and, and, and we know that the less pill burden patients have, the easier it is for them. And every dollar they can save is, 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 is good as well. So, you know, this uh, poster from DW shows that, that it, it, that, you know, you can at a system level decrease unnecessary use of proton pump inhibitors, and it does not seem to be associated with an increased uh, risk of GI problems. And I think that's something that, that other large health systems can take a look at. And I think at the boots on the ground level, uh, when somebody has been on their proton pump inhibitor for, you know, 10, you've been filling that same proton pump inhibitor for 10 or 15 years, you know, you know, is, is a time to say, you know, gee, okay, you've been taking this for GERD for 15 years. Have you tried anything else? Have you, you know, um, you know, and, 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 and try to kind of think through is this patient need continued use of it? And they may, they very well may, but is it worth a, a try off, trial off it to see maybe we can try a proton or a try a H2 blocker or something along those lines as well. So, so that's it for this week. Again, thanks so much for listening to us. Um, again, hit the subscribe, hit the like buttons at wherever you get your podcasts and head over to CE Impact and, and sign up for, for their uh, great CE programs. We will catch you next week. But until then, remember, uh, time flies. I don't know where it's going, but the most important day is today. Take care. Thanks for listening in. 
Check out the CE for this podcast at ceimpact.com or download the Pharmacy Network app by searching CE Impact in your app store and join the Game Changers Podcast Academy. Happy learning!